0: Welcome to SaaS Unbound, brought to you by SaaS Group. I'm your host, Anna Dana, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business success. And today with me is Alvaro, uh, CEO and co-founder of Keytrends, a SaaS tool which allows you to monitor the real-time evolution of search trends to optimize your content, a tool that uh, I am, as I'm sure a lot of marketers and SEO professionals are super excited about, but also a little bit terrified of, <laughs> so I'm, I'm really excited to have you here and uh, talk about everything you're building.
1: Thank you, Anna, for inviting us here.
0: Sure. All right. Well, uh, and first things first, I think uh, let's get into your background because you've got a, a pretty fascinating one too. You were working in venture capital and then pivoted your entire career into, into being a founder. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, sir. I mean, I started working in uh, maybe one of the biggest corporates in Spain, uh, Repsol, which is an oil and gas company. There, when I started in the technology division, I was the only businessman surrounded by scientists, physics, and and so on. So I was the weird there. Uh, (laughs) But I started to to like so much the, the technology and the technology projects. So I get in touch with, with some startups there. So I really identified that I wanted to work with, with startups. So uh, in 2010, uh, in Repsol, they opened their venture capital arm. And I tried with all my efforts to, to join that team. It took me about two years or three years and plus an MBA to mm-hmm. be able to, to join the team. So I, I fight a lot to to join the, the team, but finally I, I was able to, to join it. And I, I enjoyed a lot about four years there, investing in companies in, in the US, in Europe, Spain, Asia, from hundreds of, of uh, thousands of euros to about $20 million or something like that. And then I I was uh, hired from other corporate Venture capital in in Spain to launch their new uh, venture fund so I started again investing there in in energy related startups so completely different uh, yeah. sector and the, the marketing where where we are right now but there in this second venture capital phase, I, I started to to think about joining a, a startup program. I, I had to find the, the right project to, to join it. But finally, after some years, I started as a side project, Key Trends, with some of my partners. Yeah, we started to see that it makes sense. We are covering some gaps in the market. We, are, we were helping some First users, some first big customers. So we decided to leave our jobs and start in a full time period with, with key trends. And now here we are with more than 4,000 users in the platforms, growing these two last semesters 50% every semester. So we are very happy and growing. But uh, again, we are still a startup with a lot of difficulties and yeah, but enjoying the, the ride.
0: Cool. All right. That's a great story. Uh, but maybe you can tell us a little bit more about like, what key trends are and how you, how you stumbled upon the idea. What was the inspiration? Because like you said, you were invested in a completely different sector. So this is, this is marketing. How did you decide that this is something that you wanted to do?
1: Yeah. One of the good parts, if you are coming from the venture capital side, is that you need to adapt to a very different kind of businesses. So I invested from SaaS companies to marketplaces to physical products. Uh, So I needed to adapt and understand every sector in a very few time. So now, since I've been like three years full time with with marketing, uh, I'm starting to think that I'm learning about something about that. The origin or the seed of the, the project is one of my partners, which is Dani Pinillos. He's one of the top SEOs in, in Spain. Uh, he has been leading the SEO from very big companies like uh, Zara, PC Componentes, uh, and a lot of them. And he basically has been doing this consultancy service for twenty years. He always tell that he started with when Google was beta so a, a long time ago yeah. uh, so what we are building basically is his process we are transforming his his knowledge process in into a product so the main difference I think with other marketing tools or SEO tools is that we try to focus on the whole process, not only uh, solving one specific problem. This is kind of anti-startup, because as a startup, mm-hmm. you, theoretically, you should focus on, on one part of the process and, and solve very well one part of the process. But in our case, we want to be with our partner, or with our client in the whole process. So we started identifying those trends that you mentioned at the beginning, Mm -hmm. and to to help them to understand what is being searched at at any moment. Uh, Because most of the tools uh, nowadays, they are based on on AdWords information. And the the, the bad part of the AdWords information is that it's coming with one month of delay. So you are not taking advantage of that 15% uh, searches that are new every day. And with our tool, the, the the idea is that you you are able to to catch all the the trends. With that trends, then when you decide to to work on on one of the topics that we propose, then we help you on the research because mm-hmm. every marketer, every copywriter, every SEO, uh, they need to do our research to understand the search intent of of the the specific content. So we help them automatically to catch all that information. And with that information, we feed the AI. Because the AI, I mean, uh, we all know ChatGPT and the other uh, alternatives that are in the market. We are not trying to compete with them, but we try to cover the gaps where they are not working right now. So for example, mm-hmm. we are focused in, in terms of AI, and maybe it will be one of the following questions, but which is our differentiation in terms of AI, you know? Um, sure. We try to solve different problems with, with the AI. The first one is the hallucinations. So we try to work on, on prompt engineering to uh, eliminate all kinds of uh, hallucinations. We try to give to the AI context, so they so the the machine cannot go beyond some limits that we propose them. So the hallucinations are are limited. Then we train models to also put a framework on the AI, so we cannot go beyond that that framework. And uh, something also important is that for every topic that we cover, we try to. First, identify the search intent, and with that search intent, we feed the AI before generating the content. So we are trying to put like uh, all the information that we need is a fact uh, as a context for the AI uh, to avoid any kind of of uh, hallucination. Also, the the mm-hmm. other point where. ChatGPT is not uh, giving information is in in terms of book generation so if you are for example an e-commerce and you want to upgrade i know 1000 uh, product descriptions we can do for you with a trained model specifically for uh, product description so we try to add value where ChatGPT is not uh, adding that that value no and at the end the last part of the the process we try to track the analytics of what you have done so if you have uh, spent a lot of efforts in your content strategy then you need to understand the the performance what is uh, having uh, what has been successful what is uh, failed where we have to uh, improve so at the end our tool uh, try to help you on the on the whole process on the different phases and trying to uh, link all that phases uh, together in, in one only place that's basically our a main differentiation.
0: Okay, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for for such a great explanation and I actually went to read your guide that you recently published and it was just so well versed. I just absolutely loved how you how you put it all out there and how you differentiated what you are doing in terms of like not competing with ChatGPT and the, and Jasper and all the the other AI tools, but then I went to, to the video that, that's there about content generation, how it's done. And the reason I, I started this uh, this episode by saying, you know, a lot of marketers are fascinated, but a lot of marketers are terrified, me included. I mean, content is something that I absolutely love doing. And I understand completely how much time and effort and research and uh, thought goes into it. And as a, well, partly a content marketer content creator i also understand that there is no way to even now in, in like whatever ChatGPT gpt and jasper and like all the other ais are giving you to compete in terms of speed and cost right mm-hmm. and what you guys are doing it's just another kind of magic you know wh- where you add a lot of research and a lot of like like you said very Actual trends, very up to date stuff there, which is, yeah, very difficult for me as a content creator to just go through and make sure that I'm, I know all the recent events and all the recent stuff that people are looking for. Um, so yeah, how, um, are we, <laughs> are we all out of our jobs with you guys?
1: <laughs> yeah. So from our perspective, this is something that. Every marketer or every uh, copywriter will need to work in, in the near future. This is something that everyone will have it. It's like, I don't know, a PowerPoint in a corporation or a Bloomberg mm-hmm. in the financial services. So it's something that everyone will have it. In terms of the, the, the job, I think that marketers, we're uh, transforming from an operator uh, role to more, most strategic role we will have very powerful tools in in our hands to to make faster content but i mean the idea will be and, and, and i agree with with google that the most important thing is that the, the content should be useful for the user at the end yeah. so they will put a lot of efforts to understand which content is useful which content is is funny for the user and so as you have more tools, you have more power. Uh, do a better content. It, it's our approach. I mean, we are trying to. We could do thousands of of contents every day uh, in automatic way, but we try to do like the guide about AI that you mentioned before. A very good content, very power content that is useful for for the user. So now, as you have more time to think about the the content, you have more time. You you don't need to spend. I know five hours summarizing uh, a content because now you have a tool that you can summarize uh, a content in in one minute or two clicks. So yeah. spend that time that you are saving there in in thinking in a good content, in the research, in the strategic part. So uh, our approach is that we will have more time to to think, to do the strategic part, and less time. We will need to spend less time in the in the operating side. So I think at the end, it will uh, revert in in a better content. Of course, the internet will be fulfilled of shit content. And that's where I hope uh, Google, LinkedIn, Meta, uh, X, they will have like barriers uh, to identify that content and delete it or put it at the end of the search engines. So yeah, our idea here or our main the approach here is that the best content nowadays will be even best in the future because they will have more uh, tools and more power to do it in a better way and maybe more content for that. So our yeah. idea is that it's something good. No, it's not bad for marketing. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. You know, there are very mediocre content creators and very mediocre content out there. And yeah, for there is no way to to just eliminate this. It's gonna happen. Uh, but the content creators that are really putting a lot of thought and a lot of value into their content uh, will be able to do it even better because they, yeah, like you said, they are saving time on some mundane tasks and, you know, maybe they can automate certain parts of content creation too. Yeah, to work faster to to just uh do better research and so on. All right. That's yeah, wonderful. That. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for your answer. All right. Well, but also since we touched upon a little bit of like what Google is doing and uh, what other search engines are doing to maybe prevent this uh, AI-generated content, or I don't think there there is anything in place right now, but there are a lot of changes on Google and other search engines already in terms of SEO and how we track content, what's being, uh, you know, searched. How are you adapting to those changes?
1: well it's a very we have in a, a very uncertain times right now mm-hmm. uh, on that side and even the, the the big search engines are pivoting in their strategy so for example mm-hmm. you know google they try to delay as much as possible the deploy of the ai tools in their search yeah. engine but finally after the the announcements of from microsoft bing and so on They had to to be on the race and they put in place all those uh, technologies that that they had for a long time ago, but they had in (laughs) in one place that nobody can touch it. So right now, I mean, they are, I think, thinking about the the best strategy to, at the end, don't lose money, don't lose their business. So they are trying to protect their search engine business, their ads business. What we have seen in the last days in terms of how the, the, the search engine will, the structure will be, uh, maybe it will penalize uh, SEO because uh, mm-hmm. there will be less space for SEO as they need to include the, the, their SEG information from from AI plus the advertisement. And then we have less space for SEO, but it's changing every every month, basically. So it's not really very clear where we have been because at the end also, SEO, they need to promote content creators because if not, the search engine is not worthy for the user and they cannot extract AI summaries. If there is no good content and if the SEOs are not promoted in in the search engine, they will not create that content. So it's something that is not easy to to see where we will be in in some years. If uh, because right now, uh, what is clear is that they are testing every day. We are seeing new things every day. So it's something that it, it, w- it will evolve, and we don't know where we will finish. Uh, what is sure that is there will be a part from AI, from the AI of the search engines. Uh, but it's not clear the, um, if it will be big, it will be small. Now they have added at least the, the sources. So it's good for the content creator because you are uh, showed on the sources. Uh, but yeah, uh, I need, we need to find our place there uh, is where we have to, to be because we depend on them in the, in the marketing side. Uh, so we need to be very aware and try to adapt our products and our marketing strategy to the news that we, we see every day.
0: Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage and scale for SaaS companies. Lock your customer acquisition cost and only pay based on results integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account, and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades, all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Barometrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Okay, yeah, absolutely. And I think in such uncertain times, like with AI and with all the changes from Google and then the social media platforms, sometimes the wisest approach is just to like stand back, just hold your breath, maybe see what everyone else is doing and then move move in because like you said no no one really knows where we're going to end up and yeah just jumping on every every platform and every change maybe it's not the uh the good decision there but yeah something that you mentioned uh at the very beginning you have four thousand customers uh already and that's pretty impressive so can we talk a little bit about your customer acquisition strategy and how you realized what was your ideal customer persona how you found them and uh yeah and the way you just you approach them and acquire them
1: yeah sure so we started a, a as a startup trying to to solve small pains and we identified that the people that as we started with one, let's say, main feature from our tool, it was the, the trend detection uh, from 30 days ago to real time. We started to understand that those trends were more important for the people that has mushled to to produce a lot of content. Because if you are a, a small marketer, uh, you need time to prepare your, your content. So. We identified that the biggest content generators were our targets. So we started working with media companies, with e-commerce, that they had a, a strong team of, of content, and also with some corporates with a strong content teams, like e-commerce or like also marketplaces. So the, the good uh, thing here is that we started to work with the real pros of content. So we understand, we had the chance to understand really well the content generation process. So we uh, start to build our world working with them, with the big newsrooms, with the big uh, content teams. So we start to build in that the, in that tool uh, adapted to, to them. And now uh, after some months and once we get uh, traction on on the market, we started to adapt that. Pro tool that they don't need it. Uh, a lot of let's say webinars or information to understand the tool. We started to work to do something more friendly for uh, every kind of marketer, not only the the, the biggest uh, newsrooms or or the, the the main pros in in the market. So our let's say our challenge right now is to do a, a friendly tool because now one of the challenges that we are facing is that we think we know that not everyone is uh, understanding the the platform once you are getting into them because we are as i mentioned at the beginning we are covering the whole process so it has mm-hmm. different parts within the, the the platform you have different features and the process if you don't know the process and how to follow it uh, it's not always easy to understand so Our challenge right now and where we are working right now is to make a friendly platform for everyone. And so they can follow the same process that the biggest newsroom follow every day. So they have to identify trends. They have to plan their strategic content in a calendar. They have to review every, let's say 15 days, their past content because maybe they had opportunities. And this process that they do every day, it's the process that we want to uh, implement in every marketer in in the world. And that's our challenge.
0: Okay. So, so far, it's been mostly sales-led, as far as I understand, and there are demos involved, and there are people. And, you know, you're hand-holding them through the onboarding process. And what you're dealing with right now is you're trying to make the onboarding a bit more User friendly and self serve.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, taking because going back to your question, it was the the channel acquisition. As we started with these uh, big corporations, we needed to do this onboarding, as as you mentioned, and to explain and to do demos. And now we are more focus on uh, self-service so they can connect to the users can connect now we have this week implemented a trial version so they can test it uh, during some days we have uploaded uh, upload to the our website a lot of information of how to use the, the tool we have videos etc also as uh, my partner dan is coming from the seo we have been growing fully organic right now so we haven't spent anything on ads but we will do in the future for sure but we we wanted to do a simple tool before doing the the ads because yeah as before we needed to these demos and this onboarding uh, we are starting to to be able to sell even without demos and, and the onboarding
0: okay all right that, that's perfect but uh just listening to you when when you said you're not spending any money on marketing you're not buying ads which is fascinating because you've raised around very recently and this is also something that that i wanted to talk to you about because uh like we uh talked at the beginning about the fact that you're coming from a vc world and now i, I guess in sas it is such a biased world towards raising rounds and, and going bootstrapped. So a, a lot of people, a lot of founders in, in especially like indie maker community are very straightforward about their opinions. Like if you're going after VC rounds, then, you know, what are you even doing? Are you even a founder? But I'm like, I have deep respect for both choices because yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. you have maybe the revenue from day one or you have uh something that allows you to go bootstrap you're not really chasing any technology you're not competing uh with huge tools out there that you really have to catch up with and this is completely fine right but then if you are choosing to raise around then you just the only thing that you have to really be sure about is why you're doing it right so what was your reason for mm-hmm. going after an investment money? And yeah, why are you not spending it on ads?
1: <laughs> yeah. So as you mentioned, there, are, I mean, there are two different paths. Bootstrapping is is great. I mean, if I had at the beginning, I would do it. In our case, we decided to, to go on the venture capital because we wanted to go fast. So we didn't want to, to wait until the next payment for hiring the next person for doing the next thing. So we, we as this AI race is, is really going fast. We, we thought if we are not going at the same speed. We are dead. So that's where we, that's the, the main reason that we decided to, to go on venture capital. Yeah. At the beginning we were profitable. We were mixing doing services for consultancy services plus the product building. But yeah, we, we decided to go full-time and the, the whole team focus on the product building. Uh, and that's why we decided to, to go on, on, on the venture capital. Also, I mean, we had the advantage that I knew the world at the beginning of the projects. The, and this is something I think it could be interesting for other founders. What they look at is it's like a triangle. The, the, this triangle is product, team, and traction. And you need to have at least two of them very strong at the beginning. No, be, At the beginning, I mean before 10,000 euros MRR, the, the, the founders of, of the, the, the venture funds, they invest in, in that triangle. So we work a lot uh, in that triangle. We had a good team. We were building, I think, a very strong product with a good vision of the product. And also, we wait until we had enough traction to write the first one, the first uh, round. So, as we understand the dynamics of the venture side, also it was a time that it, it was starting this. Because right now it's it's so hard to to raise funds uh, because how is the, the the ecosystem right now and the the, yeah, the environment the financial environment, so we were also lucky that we were at the beginning of these uh, times right now that when we start to 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 build this this relationship, so as we had the opportunity to raise that funds and as we were seeing that the market were were running a lot, so we decided to to raise the the funds and. Something that uh, we are talking always about the money, but it's not only the money. The people we have sure. right now in the, in the board, they are really, 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 really good uh, ex-founders, uh, uh, operating funders. And the, the feedback and the the recommendation that we are receiving from them is changing the company. So the the value that we are receiving, not only the money, it's been crucial for us. So, yeah, it, it, it's something that uh, we always talk about money in these cases, but it's not only the money. The help we are receiving, it's something that I don't know if it's at the same level of the money, but it's really, really important for us.
0: Absolutely. 100% agree. I think having mentors uh, is so crucial for, for founders because then you you are at risk of like just going into your bubble and building there and not really communicating because some founders are afraid to go into the community and maybe tell uh like build in public and tell others what you're building and get some get some responses but when you have a mentor And not somebody that just bluntly tells you like what to do, because that's also, uh, there could be also a problem in the VC world when, you know, it's the VC that knows exactly how you should build your company and pushes this narrative on you. And I think that's a lot of, uh, that's something that a lot of founders are afraid of. But if they're acting as mentors, like you said, it's, I think that's the best, um, that's the best gift that they can give you.
1: Yeah, definitely. We are so happy with them. In fact, we have changed some part of the strategy due to their advice.
0: Hmm. Okay, that's really great. Uh, Well, I have to ask then because we always ask here about a hack. uh, And maybe you have a hack to find that founder-investor alignment and find the investors that are actually interested in being your mentor, in not hand-holding you through every uh, other process and not micromanage you, but just somebody that is aligned with your goals and somebody that is, is your partner in the process. Is there any hack from you being, yeah. being from that yeah, 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 industry?
1: I, I have good hacks and good tips sure. on, on the fundraising. Well, the first thing that I did, uh, since we started the project, we st- we start to send a quarter report mm-hmm. to the investors that I like it to be my investors in the future. Like one and a half years before I started to to raise the uh-huh. the funds. So every quarter I ab- update them about the the team, the evolution of the the product the traction, what we were doing, our problems that we were facing, everything. We started to have every six months, one call just to update them. So we started to build the relationship with them. So at the moment we, let's say, uh, get the traction that I mentioned, that we th- we thought, okay, now it's okay that we can start. They knew Everything about us. They knew uh, the project from the beginning. They knew how we were performing, if we were uh, fulfilling the challenges that we had. So for them was like naturally to invest in, in us because we, we, we it was like we were partners before even they they invest. So something that, uh, or my main uh, advice for someone that they want to engage one mentor, one key person that they want to get involved in the project as an investor or other role, I will work on that with a lot of time. and I will build that relationship before asking for something. So that's my main hack and my main advice because it's something that we wait. No, no, I have. I want to wait until I get this point or until yeah. I achieve the result. No, no. Start working on the relationship with a lot of time because the the average time on a financial round is between twelve and six months. So you have to work even before that because mm-hmm. it's not good when you get into a fund. Hello, I'm Alvaro. I'm, I'm raising 500k. No, is yeah. yes, that you know the this founder, this investor, sorry, for time, for a long time ago, and you have been in touch with him for a lot of time. And there, at that point, he knows that you will uh, raise funds in the near future. So they are prepared for your call and they are even they have talked with the team before because they know that once you are ready to raise funds, they wanna be with you. And that's man may hack on the financial <laughs> on the financial rising.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um uh, yeah, I'm there, I'm there with you. Build relationships first. Uh Show your traction, show that you're moving, you're alive, you're building, you're grinding, and then go for the money. And it's the same when you want to to sell your company. It's also about yeah. building relationships. So, yeah, absolutely agree. All right. And uh, one question that, well, I always ask here on the podcast, it's so far... What has been the biggest win and the biggest failure? It could be for the company or for you, as, as the leader, as the CEO, as the founder.
1: The biggest win uh, from our perspective is that once, I mean, it's very difficult to compete in a marketing uh, sector where there are thousands and thousands of tools. But when you are able to convince people that for you, are. A reference because they are like the best content creators in in our case in in spain right now uh, you feel really proud of what you're building so i will say that i mean i will say that we have been able to to solve a real problem to to some of the best marketers that i know already they feel that you are uh, adding to them something useful so for us i would say it's very generalistic but for us it's is what I feel more proud about. Right. In terms of in terms of failures, uh, we have uh, so many failures that I will say that we had one good um, team coworker with us, and he decided to go to other place because we were not able to, to convince to, to be in, in the company for more time, maybe because of the, the challenges and the, the, the ideas he had about the technology that he wanted to, to put in place. Um, and maybe we feel that we could do maybe more or it could be uh, uh, something that I think we have learned and we try to understand the, the needs of every of our co-workers to adapt not only the the task that they are performing but also their uh, goals Their in terms of uh, technology or in terms of uh, marketing or so we try to put a lot of efforts on that of understanding what uh, every of us what what we need at every moment and try to adapt to the company goals
0: yeah yeah i think with these answers honestly uh it's whether a founder says the team is their greatest achievement and the biggest win or uh, the biggest failure is actually losing somebody from the team or losing a few people from the team because people are the backbone of the business, the backbone of the product, the shape, the product, the company, the the culture inside of it. And it's just so important to to find your people that you're very comfortable to work with. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think, uh, yeah, it's an absolutely important topic to, to raise, uh, during these conversations because, uh, yeah, like we, when we buy companies, one of the first questions that, that founders ask, uh, is what's going to happen to the team? Like, are we losing everyone Are are they staying? And, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's great to see like how founders are taking care of their teams.
1: I mean, I have been always a team player. I've been uh, in my in the sports from since I've been a child, and I really enjoy to to win the matches with my team because I enjoy to win with, with them. It doesn't have any sense to to win alone. And so in my case, uh, I, I enjoy every day working with with the, the team. I think we have we are happy. Uh, we have a flexible schedule i mean we, we try to to be like we are in the real life i we want to be happy we have time to for our family for our friends uh but at the same time we are excited of what we are building so we want everyone excited yeah i trying to fight to, for the small wins and looking at the horizon for the big win and that's where we are Sure.
0: No, it's it's important to for the team to have the wins and to have the the eyes on the goal so well thank you so much alvaro i think what you're building is great i mean honestly i saw the video and i was like i'm more excited than terrified by this thing and i really want to try it and now like you said there is yeah there is a way to try it i'm definitely doing it probably today too so <laughs> thank you for telling the story really excited to see how you're going to grow and uh, maybe do another episode sometime
1: Sure, thank you very much for the invitation and it was a pleasure, Anna, thank you.
0: Thank you, take care. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders and if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna.sas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS Group, a founder-friendly, private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit SaaS.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.